Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my good buddy, you know him as Grace Guard Dog Steve. I know him as my longtime friend and buddy. And hopefully he will manifest the spirit so we don't have to listen to your good old friend. <laughs> Amen to that. Yep. Let's see. Why don't we just jump right into the podcast and uh, um, to the, um, I, no, get Bill, started I, on the, I think there was something the new podcast. Wanted, I think there was something you wanted to say. I can't think of anything, I, but today it, it was. It, it, you, you, you were going to say something. Do you remember? I think it was about Second Corinthians. Yes, I do. Now that you mention it, apparently, well, not apparently, <laughs> on the podcast. Yes. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, I assigned the word phaneru, the Greek word phaneru, to clearly seen. And you were? I was... Uh, for well, this apology, Bill, I think you need to use the King James English. My apology in the King James English, that the excellency of the manifestation would be clearly seen of God, is not phaneru. I was wrong. I was, in fact, I was erroneous, misinformed, lacking in substantiations, false, incorrect, devoid of accuracy of any kind in any way, shape, manner, or form. I would like to offer a retraction and say that the word, in fact, was not Fanaru at all. It was the word I, me, meaning that the evidence the the surpassing greatness of what you see would be clearly seen was not fanaru it was i may meaning it could only be of god i'd like to offer that retraction heartfelt on my knees asking for forgiveness you didn't get on your knees bill but we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. No, I felt bad. It wasn't the word fanaru. I, I felt that apology a little now. King James English does it pretty well. But the point I, I really wanted to make when I said it was I wanted to draw attention to the word clearly seen. I thought it was fanaru, but it's actually unmistakably God. Are the I am. It's the I am word, right? Okay. Ego I me? Yes, except it doesn't have ego in front, mm -hmm. but I may existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's really saying what is being displayed is clearly God. Clearly seen. It exists. It's really saying it exists only as God. In other words, it's saying only God could do this. this. So when you do something 
so amazing. God who said, let light shine out of darkness has caused his light to shine in our darkened hearts so that we have the light, the, the light of the glory of the knowledge of God in the face of Christ. We hold this treasure. That's the part that's important. Yes. This treasure is Christ in us. us. And it's clearly seen in the NIV. It threw me off. So take a little of the blame to put it on the NIV. Bad NIV. Bad NIV. Horrible NIV. Yes. What a terrible thing to do to trip someone up that loses track of his thoughts in the middle of his, what was I saying? In the middle of a sentence. <laughs> so it's saying the only thing that could explain what you just saw is the existence of God in the situation. That's why in Romans 1 it can say, the evidence of God and the character of God can be clearly seen through the creation so that no one is without excuse. It says that divine nature can clearly be seen in everything that God created. In you, in me, we can clearly see God and we need to give God the credit for what we clearly see him doing. That is the judicial way to speak and act as James said speak and act as those who will be judged by this new covenant law whereby he does it through you takes the burden off of you you give him the credit and it stores you up treasures in heaven so let's continue with this idea of manifesting because okay okay let's see in the last two podcasts we um we looked at how the the parables brought about the idea of manifesting and then how jesus plainly spoke about manifesting and abiding we abide in him we use his strength and he abides in us meaning he manifests through us we spoke about all that and this Second Corinthians 4 passage where it says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the all-surpassing greatness of this power may be clearly seen as not coming from us. It didn't come from me. That's what the disciples said in Acts chapter 3 when they healed somebody. They said, don't look at us as if it we caused this guy to be healed. It was God glorifying his son in us. God was giving Jesus glory through Peter and the other disciple as vessels. Peter and the other disciple were vessels that God uses. And that's the idea we want to blow up on this podcast. It's the same idea in the fruit of the Spirit, which is a manifestation of the life of Christ, a fanaru, if you could say, of the life of Christ. And it says in both cases, like the acts of the flesh are obvious. Obvious. And the acts of the, the fruit of the Spirit is obvious Equally as well. obvious. Clearly seen, you could say. Yes, don't think that's a fan room, and I don't want to guess. 
don't want to be doing that. <laughs> don't want to be in the dog. But the concept again. is there. Yes, it's. You're not left guessing. Was that? Was that my flesh or was that God? Was that? Was that my best day that came close to to God? No. 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 All my righteousness is as a filthy rag to God. All human righteousness. That means the good things you did. If you've been saying, no, we've got a part, and I've got to do my part, you, you don't say God does it all. We're talking about the good things that we did as our part are like filthy, rag, literally minstrel rags to God. So your You know, part, we read that. I always read it, even though it says our our righteousness. Yes. All our righteousness. Mm-hmm. There's something in me that would always read it as my bad days are as filthy rags. But I can go through all my years on this planet, pick my three best days, two best days, my best day, the best day I ever had. Yeah. Filthy rags? Filthy rag. Filthy rag. Just doesn't compare to what God can do. That's why God uses contrast. And it, God it, uses us. Yeah. And we, we've taken that idea of contrast and conflict. What's, what's another word for contrast? Conflict. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad to do that for you, Bill. Glad, <laughs> glad to. Just call me a wordsmith. <laughs> <laughs> so we... We take that idea of contrast and we assign it a whole new thing. We say, oh, the, the reason that you're uh, struggling financially is you must have some sin in your life. But that's that's not it. Otherwise, you, you'd have to just say, wow, the Apostle Paul was just really a horrible guy. I mean, he was poor. Obviously, he wasn't tithing. <laughs> right. Or he wouldn't be poor. Right. You're, you're poor because you don't tithe. Yeah. Which is all over the new mm-hmm. covenant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tithing and its mm-hmm. effects. But Paul is is saying that these things that he went through, we touched on them a little last week, when he says that I'm, I'm poor, or having nothing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yet possessing everything, beaten down, yet victorious. All these contrasts are showing that it's the excellency of manifesting is clearly seen of God and not Paul. So you really get an appreciation. It's like you could say, I know God will get you out of a, a trial. But until you actually went through a trial and then you saw the faithfulness of God, you don't really know it, you know? You don't you don't really appreciate light without darkness. You don't appreciate the goodness of God without a manifest you don't appreciate a manifestation of the goodness of God without going through some bad situations. That's why Paul could say in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and following, 
We do not want you to be aware, brothers, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who can literally raise the dead. We're, we're not trusting in ourselves. That's what the trials teach us. What the trials are for is they're testing for a manifestation of either the spirit or the human nature. They're, they're not punishing you. They're not doing things because America has abortions or anything like that. As bad as that is, it's not because of those problems that arise. You're being tested to see whether you'll manifest the spirit or the flesh. Whether you're good or bad, whether you're a saint or a devil, you still get tested as much as the next person. And these trials teach you not to depend on yourself, but on God who has mercy. He's the one that can get you out of the pickle that you're in. That's exactly what Psalm 91 says about abiding. And he uses the word abiding. Mm -hmm. And depending. And depending, and we get our word. Psalm 91 uses the same word back in our upper room discourse study. Uh, abode. Dwelling abode. place. Okay. So and what I think does, he uses the word abiding. What does 91 say? Let me just read 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and a buckler. That's a lot to unpack. Yeah, but it's but basically saying the same thing that Paul just said. Paul said, I learned to depend on him to stay in the shadow of the Almighty. The very lesson we're supposed to be learning. So let's just look at a few of these things, Steve. This is what Psalm 91, whoever wrote it, we're not sure, is going through. He's got terror by night. He's got arrows that are being aimed at him during the day. Day and night, not getting any deliverance. Pestilence, darkness, verse 6, destruction, lays waste at noon, a thousand falling down at my right side and 10,000 at your right hand. Right? 
all mm-hmm. all all those negative things, but he says, even though that's going on and we're seeing it, it's manifesting. But look at this peace that's manifesting also. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. See, that's what the Spirit would say, not not the human nature. But no, you can't work that up. No, that's that's the Spirit talking. That's how you know you're manifesting the Spirit in those ungodly trials. In the Greek, which I looked up the words, and it's hard to put it into words, but it's actually saying the situation says this, but the Lord says this. The situation says this is bad, this is dangerous, this is deadly, this is painful, there's no escape, but the Lord says, I'm your refuge. I'm your shelter. You know what else it says? That's what the spirit inside you is saying. And that's what you're saying if you're manifesting that spirit. And in the Greek, it actually says, I am your abode. Abide in me. Remain in him. And the although these things are happening, they're in the seen realm. In the unseen realm, the I am is there protecting you, sustaining you, keeping you, giving you peace when you have no business having any peace. Yes, so. In other words, when you're in the middle of the trial in the seen realm, the unseen realm can manifest perfect peace and a lot of courage and patience and gentleness and kindness all at the same time during that seen realm trial. And this word for abiding, it's it's the same word. Let me make sure I get this right. I don't want to have to do an apology like beginning of the podcast. <laughs> it's the same idea that we get from our abode. And it's the same idea from a different testimony, I guess you could say. There's, you remember the, the 10 spies? Yes. Or was it 12 spies? 12 spies. Yeah. 10 said, it's bad. They're giants. They're mean. We're tiny, we're grasshoppers, we don't have a chance. Two of them said, we're well able to take the land, let's go get it. Both looking at the same thing, are both in the same situation, but there's two perspectives. And in some... Or two sources. Two sources, which gives you two perspectives. Exactly. We can walk by faith or by sight. By faith, supernatural faith that God gives you, the terror of night and the pestilence doesn't touch you. That's why Paul, after you just read in in 2 Corinthians 6, he gives all those were beaten down yet victorious. He just keeps giving contrasts. And there are manifestations of the flesh, but manifestations of the spirit. 
but it really doesn't matter what the flesh manifests or dictates. It matters to your mind and your peace, peace of mind, but it doesn't matter in the situation that you're going through. And this is how you can, these situations happen to you not to punish you or correct you as we, you know, we, we tell everyone there so that you can see the manifestation. I mean, you can see your God in action. You don't see God. One of the words that says God is my shield, right? I can say, Steve, God is my shield. And you're like, okay, so you say. Mm-hmm. But shoot a, th- what, did, what did it say, a thousand arrows? Yeah, yeah. Shoot a thousand arrows and none of them hit me? Yeah. And then I say, God is my shield? The shield manifested itself. I think I'm a little more believable now because I have a manifestation of my shield. That's a pretty effective shield. 10,000 arrows coming at you, none of them hit you. Basically what it says, doesn't it? Yes, it is. Pestilence, disease, all those things doesn't touch you. They're They're trials. And they teach you not to abide. That's that's what the word is there. Mm -hmm. Not to abide in your own understanding or your own resourcefulness. Yes. But they teach you to abide in his power, in his wisdom, and his resourcefulness. And they're exactly that word abode in the Greek. I'm going to give you a few passages to look up if you don't mind, because it's the same Greek word. Do you mind running to Romans 7? Oh, you meant me, not the audience? <laughs> we can't afford a secretary, so yes. Yeah. yeah, let me see. Okay, I'm in Romans 7. Okay, how about seven seventeen? So now, no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which indwells me, or dwells in me, or abides in, in me. me. Okay, what about 18? For I know that nothing good abides in me, that is, in my human nature. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of good is not. Okay, we got one more bad one. (laughs) How about verse 20? Verse 20. But if I am doing the very thing I do not will to do, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is sin which abides in me. And all three of those were the sin, which is the lie that Adam lived with. And you the can, taskmaster that dominates us. Right. So all, all three of those were abiding in the lie and getting dominated by the sin, by the enemy. Right? Okay, look at 8, 9. And then we'll explain it. Okay. However, you are not in the human nature, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God abides 
in you. Abides in you is a positive there. Yes. And how about 811? 811. As I read Romans 811, let me just mention that we've got dogs barking outside of our studio, and I just hope that they don't um, bother the podcast, but we're going to continue even with them barking. Okay, 8.11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. And that's where we come into that I pair word, right? Abundantly? Yeah, I think the I pair is twice in there. Which is basically saying, if the sin dwells in abundance, woe is me. Yes. Wretched man that I am. Yes. But if the spirit is in abundance, even though maybe there's a little bit of the flesh, the human nature, the human effort abiding in you, the endemic curse, the struggling, trying, everything you have. It becomes dormant and the spirit becomes, takes over. Yes. It, it actually says that. if, When the spirit is in abundance, it's life and peace. Yes. It's the feeling that Psalm 91 had. I'm not... I don't think David wrote Psalm 91. It doesn't say, and I don't... You know, <laughs> David didn't write any song. The Holy Spirit did. Yeah, thank you. That makes it easy. Mm-hmm. When the Holy Spirit wrote Psalm 91 for our behalf, it's that abiding word. And I found out something interesting. I went to the Septuagint, and on that word that says... Let me look it up. Okay, and I may mention that that was why Jesus said, I came to you to give you life and give it to you abundantly. He was saying, I came to you to give you Zoe life, not suke life or bios life. It says Zoe life and have that Zoe life abundantly because when it's more abundant than your suke or bios life, the suke in bios life becomes dormant and the spirit begins to manifest itself. When it's the most abundant thing, it manifests itself. And that's when you can feel heaven on earth and please everyone around you. Absolutely. And it's, I, I did get it. Okay. So Psalm 92, 1 in the Septuagint, in the Greek. Yes. Psalm 91, 1. The one dwelling in the help of the highest, the protection of God of the heaven, I shall lodge. Okay, do you want to know what that word lodge is? No, no, uh uh-uh, no, not really, I, I... What is it? I'm all ears, Bill. I'm all ears. I can't say. But can we uh, 
can we lift the band word for three hours? Well, for, for this, yeah, just not in John 14. No mansions in John 14. Okay, so we're lifting the band for... Mansion. For three hours. Okay. Two and a half. Two, two, two and a quarter. Done. Okay. Okay. The band is officially lifted... Yes. For that one word. Yes. Mansion. Now it says he will lodge... And the Greek word, okay, sorry, I had trouble finding it. But remember where it said, he shall lodge? Yes. It is the Greek word, alazomai, and it means to pass the night or stay the night. Properly, it means to stay in the open air. No roof. (laughs) No roof. That's a mansion with no roof. And it is the middle voice of ulin, this is the verb, which means as to open courts. It's the same word, you know, better is one day in your courts than 10,000 outside. Yeah. So you're not in a building, you're in the open air, but you're in the secret place of the Most High. And get a load of this, by implication a mansion that's the word the one abiding in the secret place of the most high is in the open air he's not in a building he is if I could use the word he's mansioning in the open air with full protection yeah so it means a mansion is something in the open air too yeah it's not a physical building. Yeah. So. So it definitely doesn't fit in John 14. It's the, no, the same concept that in my father's house are many mansions. All right. It's safe to say the word? Not not there because it really isn't mansion. <laughs> Is the band it's lifted dwelling, or not? Yeah. It's dwelling place. Okay. I'm using the word for confusion purposes. Yes. In my Father's house are many places to abide. Amen. Isn't it the same as Psalm 91? The one who abides in the secret place of the Most High? Yes. What is the secret place of the Most High? It's your abiding in Christ. Yes. All these things are happening to you. The terror by night. The the 100 arrows on the... What was it? A thousand on the left, hundred on the right, and they don't touch you because you're what abiding in the secret place of the Most High. You're in the shelter of the Most High. You're in the revelation of the I Am has got you. You're in the realm of the unseen. We walk by what faith and not by sight. All that's possible by abiding in the secret place of the Most High. And where it says, he shall say to the Lord, mm-hmm. that's the I am, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the I am is whatever moment you're in, you are my refuge. You're my mansion. 
You're my shelter. But he's in the open air, right? But who's his shelter? The I am. The I am. It's a shield. And you are my refuge. You're my safe space. Does it say the there is no thousand arrows or one hundred arrows? No. It just says you're safe from them. You're safe from them. But they're still flying. They're still flying. And I will hope upon him. My hope is not in doing everything right and then God will protect me. My hope is God will protect me because he did everything right. Amen. I like that. The secret place of the Most High, isn't it the same thing as saying in Christ? Absolutely. Absolutely. He is the secret place. He is. He is the refuge. And he's the meaning. The I am is the meaning to all those parables. Jesus spoke in parables of things hidden. The Old Testament prophesied in Words that made no sense, really. But they were, it seemed like they were pointing to something in the Old Testament, but they were all types and shadows of our real protection. And he is the secret place of the Most High. In Christ is where we are protected from the Arrow and what are arrows? Aren't they what the enemy accusations Shoot. yes. shoots accusations. at you? You're no good. Yeah, you're a terrible Christian. Yeah, all those things, and I've heard them all. I hear that voice, but I don't hear it when I'm in my shelter. Isn't that what Paul said in Romans seven when he was abiding in what the law? human effort, what was happening to him? He died, he said. He said it killed him. It deceived him and killed him. He sinned more. He coveted more than he ever coveted in his life. Why? Because he wasn't abiding in the Spirit. Yes. And then we just went to Romans 8, Mm -hmm. which you just left off finish. What's the word? In Romans 8. Left unfinished. Left unfinished. So we'll go back there. But it's the same. When we abide in the Spirit, we are abiding in the I Am. We're abiding in the truth. We're abiding in the Spirit. We're living life. And the arrows fly, but they don't. They don't touch you when you're abiding in the secret place of the Most High. The secret place of the Most High is a mindset, just like abiding in the lie. Remember, Paul says, I was abiding in the sin. The sin was abiding in me, and I was abiding in the sin. Yes, under control of the sin. It's the same, the sin, which is mentioned in Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as what? The sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and what followed the sin was the death that 
false feeling that God is not for me, God's not protecting me, I have no power except what I muster up. So, in other words, the sin is the same as saying the lie, that God is displeased with you and you're on your own. If you want to eat and live life, you're going to have to what? Get out there and work your garden in the what? The thorns and thistles and futility to have this life. But you can abide in the truth. It's the spirit that gives you life. It's not what you produce with your human effort that gives you life. It does give you bios life. But to have that true Zoe life, it comes from abiding in the Spirit, abiding in Christ. In Christ is the most productive teaching you can get from the the Bible. That is it. That's how to do everything. Yeah, by abiding in the vine. Yes, live uh, in harmony in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord always, not in your human resourcefulness or human strength, but in his ability to rejoice. And there it was back in Psalm 91, abiding in the secret place of the Most High is parking in this reality that Christ is my life. And it's the same idea that was in our one of our favorite, I think the word is kabah in the Isaiah 40. Those that wait on the Lord are kabah. Oh yeah, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Says they shall renew their strength. Literally exchange. Exchange their strength. The second definition was entwined together. Yeah. The same idea as abiding in the vine is what? The vine... And the branches are really, from all the great vines I've seen, the, the vines and the branches are entwined together. Yes. If you asked me to cut the branch off the vine, I'd have a hard time seeing where the the vine ends and the branch starts, you know? Because they, they really don't stop and start. They're entwined together. Yes. But the source is the vine. So the grapes abide in the vine. The branches abide in the vine. And we are the, the branches. The vine is the secret place of the Most High. The vine is the spirit of Christ in us. Well put. And this was all a, a mystery because it could not be revealed that Christ would die and pay for our sins because if they knew that, they would never crucify him. Which is what it says in 1 Corinthians 1. Yeah, exactly. It says it in, I forgot where it was. In, remember in Isaiah where that prophecy, that that's where the prophecy came from that what was the prophecy? What I, no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, right. what would ever entered in the heart of man, God has prepared. Yes. That was in Isaiah, and I can't remember exactly where it was. It doesn't matter. But right before that, it says he was marred beyond appearance. He had no... This is how bad they 
beat. He beat him. He it's as if he didn't even appear like a, a human being anymore. Just right. a bloody monster mess. Yeah, makes you cry. I mean, it's yeah. But he had to hide that from them. So God, loving God, let man pour out all of his anger and wrath and hatred and on his son and the spirit and the father. He said, I love you this much. Just take out all your anger and wrath and hatred and everything you can and I'll take it all and then I'll say, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. No. I love them that much. I'm going to endure this. And for the joy set before him, he endured all of that. The joy set before him was this abiding in the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how he endured what he did. It must be he pretty did. good to that's endure. How he, yeah, say that again, Bill. He endured that that beating and that crucifixion For by God. the power of God in him. Yes. Humanly, he could not have done that. No. But he saw the outcome, and that was the joy set before him. He said, I'll, I'll do it, because it's, it's so good what's going to happen. And what happened... No, no eye had seen, no ear had heard, no one entered anyone's imagination the good that would come from us abiding in Christ and him abiding in us. Yeah. And that good is manifested every day in our lives as we abide in the vine. That's why manifesting such a huge concept and maybe the best feeling in the world. Best feeling I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. He could use the rocks if he wants. And what a privilege it is to be the vessel that he manifests himself through. To do God's eternal purpose. I mean, God had a plan before he even created the earth. He had a plan for Jesus to do. And Jesus does part of that plan right through us the plan that is a billion years old he does through us what a privilege unbelievable privilege do, do you want me to close us in prayer yep I think we're running out of time yeah father God allow us to just grasp what a privilege it is to be the vessel that you use. That's what you made this new covenant for, to make us vessels that you work through. And what a privilege it is and what all you had to do to, to create this situation where we became the vessels that you use. You had to die and be beaten unmercifully and wear a crown of thorns and have nails put through your legs and nails put through your arms and hung up there on a cross where you couldn't breathe all so that you could prepare us to be the vessels that you use 
and I see you using Bill each and every day. Not a day goes by that I don't see you manifest yourself in Bill. And I feel you manifesting yourself in me. And I want all yes. the guardians of grace to train their senses to grasp it, to feel it, to to perceive it when it's happening to them and when it's happening to the people around them because God's activity is just a constant thing throughout the day. He is constantly being active through the vessels he made and none of us know about it, but hopefully this podcast will allow us to be turned on to the idea you're, you're turning us on to the idea that we are vessels that you use, Father. And now that we are, life becomes fun because we just watch you manifest yourself through us. And we pray for you to do it all the time and we depend on it because we are living examples of what it is like to be a Christian when you're manifesting yourself through us. So, Father, allow us to understand and make that a foundational doctrine for our new covenant Christianity because that's what the new covenant is all about. I will put my spirit in them and cause them to walk in my statutes. I will do for them what they can't do for themselves, which is live the model Christian life. I'll put my spirit in them he said in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Wow. Lord, just allow us to take root in that thought, Father. It's in your son's name that I pray these things. And in your son's name, I, I just say we love you, Lord. We love you guys. Thank you. And we're saying good night. In Jesus' name, we're saying good night. Thank you. Be blessed. Good night, everyone. We do love you. <laughs>